Will Sanders is a senior vice president for a local bank, vice chair of the IDB, and incoming president of the downtown Kiwanis. But there is so much more to him. From working in Mongolia to looking for ways to serve his community, enjoy a fun conversation with a Clarksville original on this episode of Clarksville's Conversation, powered by FM Bank. This is going to be the thing you make your kids listen to. Like, you want to know yeah, the whole yeah. life story? Like, it's right yeah. here. You got They got to listen. That's, that's and, true. And now you guys just met, right? I've not. Well, yeah. we we've have, been in the same room before, but we've ooh. never, yeah, never yeah, shaken you're on hands. One side in of the room, yep. And then I think I tried to, to to introduce myself, and then a whole group of people like swarmed around you. <laughs> it was probably you know. the night you were signing autographs. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's could've. what it was. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get to that side of the room. The line was huge. Well, it happens sometimes. <laughs> it does. It it does from time to time. But you have grown up here in Clarksville, Montgomery County, your entire life. You're one of these rare creatures <laughs> that when you think about how much Clarksville has grown, I mean, you are rare for someone that is born and raised. Yeah, the city limit sign used to be right in front of my house on Memorial Extension. And I can remember when I was first learning large numbers that the population was 52,000 people. And I just always remembered that. And now, obviously, you pass that going down Wilma Rudolph. So, <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That's about how it is. So you, you grew up over there. Yeah, I grew up uh, on Memorial Drive and kind of lived on that, that road for most of my life yeah. when times when I weren't here. But, yeah, we've seen it grow. Where'd you go to uh, elementary school? I went, I'm a tiger from East Montgomery Elementary. East Montgomery. We were playing kickball. We kicked the ball over the field because that subdivision that was yeah. right next to it wasn't there, and that's how we'd go get honeysuckle. So we'd uh, always kick oh. foul balls so we could hop the fence and go play hooky off on the side. <laughs> it was wonderful. That's so uh, amazing. You think about the parents and kids that are at that school now. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's surrounded by yeah. neighborhoods. Where are the ones playing hooky doing now? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, <laughs> we might not answer that. Yeah, we're not. We're, a, we're at the radio station. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. No exactly. You know, there's so many bankers jokes I could make about that, but mm-hmm. we won't go into those. Yeah, we're gonna we're I gonna mean, leave those out. We're we're on the clock. You're so, on the. Let's don't let's don't get carried away with the bankers' hours. Joke. Yeah, we're sure not going to. That's that's a fact. When I grow up, I want to be like Charlie Coon. Uh, we all yeah. do. We <laughs> all it's do. Called growing down. Not, uh, so so you went to Richview. Yep. Richview, Clarksville High, High, then uh, got undergrad degree at Mississippi State University with an ag business degree. Thank God he didn't bring the cowbell. That's exactly right. I didn't think the feedback would go well in this room. (laughs) I started ringing it. Not that there's a lot to ring it about these days, but uh, (laughs) got a degree in ag business and started working in finance shortly after that. Funny fact. What? And I've told you this before. I have a degree in ag business. Okay. Austin P. State University. Why, why, is there like a convention or something where you guys met of yes. guys that got ag it's business degrees that work in a bank? Well, ag, people with ag business degrees, and I'm tooting my own horn here, and I guess I am Charlie's Let's as well. Yeah. But <laughs> people who understand agriculture yeah. make tremendous finance people because they understand irregular cash flows. So you learn how the seasonality of, say, farming impacts how loans get repaid. And so good credit people typically come from ag backgrounds. Really? Yep. How about that drop? Drop the mic right there. We just learned something, and I think we end it right there because we, <laughs> we <laughs> learned. Yeah. Well, that was great. great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Go to the house. So um, but Will, so you grow up here, Clarksville. You're you know you go to East Montgomery, you go to Richview, you go to Clarksville High School. You're a wildcat. You go off 
you leave Clarksville for the first time for four years when you when you head down to it was Mississippi State, right? Yep, Mississippi State. You're you know graduating Mississippi State. Was it always the goal to come back to Clarksville, or were you like the 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 world is my oyster? I'm going to go wherever. I knew I was going to go where the best opportunity presented itself. I didn't mm-hmm. know where that was when I packed up and came back home. Uh, at post-graduation, but I ended up taking a job with Farm Credit Services where I was providing financing to, to big agriculture. Yeah. So I left here and went to very, very rural West Tennessee uh, in a little town called Ripley, which is between Memphis mm. and Dyersburg. Yeah. And I lived there for four years <laughs> and uh, worked on big you know, finance and large operations for big cotton producers, big rice producers, a lot of a lot of large scale agriculture there. And then I came back after that, I had another opportunity to move into investments mm-hmm. and that allowed me to come back home, which after living in a six thousand person town, when you move back to Clarksville, you are the fox back in the hen house. <laughs> that was a fantastic <laughs> feeling to be back home. Right. No, sure. but where did Asia come into play? So I knew a guy who needed a guy, which is, oh, no. which is we all know is the best way to get a job. Right, right. <laughs> and so uh, that that led me to take a, a leave of absence from Merrill Lynch for three years. Mm-hmm. And uh, a great time to do that as well. And I went and worked in, in Mongolia for three winters. I mean, what what do you do? I mean, what what were you doing there? So the company was a mining company. Uh, they were owned by an extremely wealthy lady in Australia. Um, and she decided to create a budget. And actually, a guy from Clarksville uh, was affiliated with the family, and that's how I ended up getting the job. But we wanted to do an exploration budget in Mongolia because Mongolia, is, as everyone knows, is really nothing there because no one is familiar with it. Yeah. And so it's this vast expanse of, of territory, a couple times the size of Texas, and there's no people there, but it's chock full of minerals. And so they're just now discovering this. So there was this exploration budget created, and I was willing or foolish enough uh, to pack everything into two duffel bags and Holy cow. go uh, 9,000 miles away. And how old were you? I was 30 when I did that. Did the absurdity of that situation <laughs> ever strike you? When you're on the plane and the plane's going forever, and you're like, I'm just a kid from Clarksville, Tennessee, going to work for a wealthy Australian who wants me to go do some research in Mongolia. Oh, yeah. It was definitely a, a shift on the fly. The The real panic didn't set in until I, I walked into my apartment for that first night and threw my duffel bags onto this onto this bed, and I knew that I was a long way from home. And that was, that was when it set in. But the next day, you just put your boots on, and you get out and start walking and figure out where everything is. Yeah. And it just might take you three months to figure out the difference between sour cream and mayonnaise in the store. But eventually, <laughs> eventually you get it right. <laughs> that is it. It's oh, so yeah. hard to leave the comfort of home. It and is. You think about when you went to Mississippi State, that, it's Mississippi. It's still yeah. home. Yeah. You know, you, you can walk around. Oh, you yeah. know the language. You know the culture. You know all that. Your first full-time job out of school, you're six, you know, a city of 6,000 in West Tennessee, your home. Yep. Then you go to Mongolia, where you have no frame of reference for anything. Nothing. At all. That must have been just quite the learning curve for you. It is. Every day you pick up something different, and then every day you add to it, and you just keep going. And next thing you know, you've been there longer than other people, and they start asking you about things. So it's just, it's, it's no different from college. It's no different from work it's just every day is something new and you pick it up and you roll with it and if you make a mistake just don't do it twice uh, so what what 
you get off at work at whatever time in Mongolia. Yes. Do you go out? Do you go home? I mean, what do you do? I, mean, what, <laughs> I, I have no frame of reference here. Well, uh, we typically, so I was very fortunate. Some of the, the people who were providing us professional services, so geologists, uh, they lived in the unit next to me. We shared a security door. I got to be very close friends with them. They were from New Zealand. And so that led to meeting other people. So we would all just round up after work and go meet at different rooftop bars um, mm. or go out to restaurants and have drinks and then figure out where we're going to eat and go eat and then go home. And by that point, it was, you know, minus 20 outside on a nice brisk fall day and you were happy to be home. So we've got to have a picture of him bundled up. With you him. had to buy a new jacket because your Tennessee jacket ain't working in Mongolia. No, when I got off the plane, the lady who picked me up, she said, did you bring a, a coat, a, a bigger coat? Cause I just had a, a lighter weight coat on, which it was fine. It was, <laughs> right. I think early October, it was yeah. 40 degrees outside. Yeah. I was like, Oh yeah, this is nothing. And, uh, but I did have a bigger coat. And she was like, well, are you sure it's big enough? I said, well, we'll find out, won't we? But <laughs> Was it oh big enough? God. It was big enough. Okay. Now, you didn't shiver over there. there was, you're so far removed from any ocean, you wouldn't shiver, but you would burn. And so if your skin was exposed, you'd feel it burning, and you'd feel your nose hairs freeze from one side to the other, so you'd have to constantly flare your nostrils, <laughs> and you'd feel this little <laughs> pop inside of there. And if you had a scarf on, your eyelashes would freeze up. Water crystals from breathing would get in them, and you'd have to constantly be blinking. Wow. You learn how to work your iPhone with your nose. <laughs> we need to, I need to take a picture of Ryan's face because he's, like, he's got this blank stare. Right. It's just this beautiful difference. And here you are amongst all these New Zealanders. I have to wonder, because New Zealand's it's a good accent, right? Yes, it it's, is. It, but they must have been, they must have loved yours. The Mongolians said that they could understand my accent more easily than they could the Australians and Kiwis simply because they because of movies because of hollywood really the, the american version of the english accent was far easier for them to pick up than the the proper king's english you got these aussies and kiwis talking and the mongolians are looking at you going i can't understand a word they're yeah, saying and i'm like i can't either man don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> what's an experience for you that really stands out about your time in mongolia oh you know, a lot of times you'd escape the city because the the city, which was called Ulaanbaatar, it was the capital city of Mongolia, half the population in one place, so it's a million and a half people. Yeah. Uh, not all of them were set up on the... This is going to be a twofold answer to your question, yeah, so forgive me. You're good. The, the negative aspect of it that will always stand out in my mind, and it makes me so grateful for everything about America, is that half the population in this town, so 700-some-odd thousand people, were not hooked up to centralized power. And so when it's minus 40 for three weeks straight at night, they're burning whatever they can for heat to stay warm and to stay alive, whether that's styrofoam, wood, really dirty coal, yeah. bricks soaked in diesel fuel. They're doing whatever they can to generate heat. And so... And, and even in the case, and being an old Soviet city, all the hot water was piped from a centralized location underground to your houses. So you did not have a hot water heater in your where you stayed. Yeah. You just got public hot water. So it really made it difficult when they'd do maintenance. But all that being said, the people who did not have a house, who were homeless, who'd come into the country or come into the city from the countryside, they would get underground. They would find a manhole that was near one of these centralized hot water pipes and they would try and build a house underground in the in essentially the sewer system so they could stay warm at night and i saw people fighting 
or access to a manhole cover so they could stay warm at night. And at the same time I could look and see that, I could see a Louis Vuitton shop right behind it. Wow. And I think that encapsulates the negative aspects of Asia emerging like it is. The positive aspects of being over there where the countryside was absolutely breathtaking. Mm -hmm. You could drive all day to a horizon, get to the top of it, and look over to the next side, and it would be exactly what you just spent all day driving over ahead of you. It was just beautiful. And there wasn't a road. If I wanted to get from point A to point B and there's no road, I'd just make one. Just hop in your Toyota Land Cruiser and just drive until you get where you're going. (laughs) Wow. Not a fence, not a road. You just go. What an amazing contrast from the scenery yep. of just the, the, the nature around you. And so you got the beauty of that. And then you've got just people fighting over a manhole to try and get in there and build a house underground because they have nothing right next to someone who has everything. That's exactly right. I mean, they had to, a moment must have been like, wow, I'm spoiled. Yeah. I am spoiled rotten as an American. That's exactly what it is. And and we're grateful for it, but mm-hmm. we've just, our prosperity is going to be what ruins us. But it was when I came home, the first Publix was being built where the old hospital was and it got built while I was gone. Yeah. And I came home after being gone for like nine months and I walked into that Publix and I felt like. I felt like I was doing something. This is wow. this is nice. Look at all. You can read all these labels. Look how clean this place is. Mayonnaise. There's not a woman behind the meat counter shaking a cow tongue at me trying to get me to buy it or go away. I'm not sure what she was trying to do. So it's just the, the differences in, in the world. There is some Publix wow. employee at that store that talks about the day a man who looked a little, you know, had kind of a, a stubble yeah. going on, yeah. just walking around in awe. Of all things public's like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is the most amazing store ever. And that, that was you. After- that, was, that was me. <laughs> that was me. And I probably looked like I was a little jaundiced, maybe some gangrene in my toes from the frostbite. <laughs> but, yeah, that was me. Well, welcome home. <laughs> yeah. It's been, you know, we talk about it like it's yesterday. It was a wonderful <laughs> chapter in my life, but it's been, you know, almost eight years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, nine years since I got back. So when you left, there was a hospital wow. there. When you came back, it was a Publix. Wow. And yeah, we haven't stopped since. No, we haven't. I got here in no. 2005, and just the growth that I've seen since I got here in yeah. 2005, we had no Starbucks when I got here. Now I think we've got one on every corner. Yep. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, it, it, it absolutely is. You come back home, though, and all of a sudden now you've got to find another job. That's right. Uh, it was. Thankfully, uh, I had a bit of time to reset and recalibrate, mm-hmm. which was wonderful. I got my health back in order and enjoyed <laughs> adjusting back to civilized life. Your liver was working yeah, fine yes, again. Yes, yes. The, the gin and tonic flow had ceased a little bit or slowed drastically. But uh, Lord, he's probably burning the gin to stay warm. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, there's more stories about that. I don't think they're suitable for this, <laughs> this show. Oh, it's a podcast. You can say whatever you want. Will. I mean, who's listening? We now but, know the episode will be called Will Sanders. Let's talk about Mongolian gin. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Absolutely. But. Uh, Came home, Absolutely. and thankfully, uh, as Charlie knows, banks are always shifting things around. And my current employer, Planners Bank, who I've enjoyed working for very much, they uh, had somebody that had moved out, and they needed somebody to come in and take over a commercial loan portfolio. And so 
it's been a fantastic eight years of, of yeah. doing that, of building and growing. So I was happy to step back into it. Some well, dude looks at his resume and goes, this guy was in Mongolia yeah. working for some rich Australian lady. Yeah. This is just what we need at no, Players yeah, Bank. That's exactly that's right. right. <laughs> well, I think, I think one of the cool things about, about Will and, and some of the guys you know, and gals we hang out with, we're, we're afforded the opportunity to give back to the community. That's exactly and, right. And, you know, you're mm-hmm. big in the Kiwanis Club and, and the IDB and, and all that. So let's talk about why. Yeah. I mean, I think listening to your story, I could see why you'd want to give back. Yep. Just, you know, you come back and say, man, I've got so much. I need to give some time and some effort. But talk about the Kiwanis a little bit. I mean, there's a they do a lot of great work in town. Do a tremendous amount of work. And I was thankful to have parents that, that initiated this in me. My dad always said, when, whenever you go out into the world, you know, find a big Baptist church to join and find a civic club to join and you'll start meeting people. And he told me that when I was in high school. And I think A.J. Taylor, his old professor at Austin mm-hmm. P., told that to him. I had him. Yep. And so <laughs> that that works. And I wish more people did it because organizations like Kiwanis do a tremendous amount, as yeah. Charlie and Chris can both vouch for. Uh, there's a lot of money that gets raised through a lot of people's efforts. And it, and it, gives, and it gives back. And every little thing matters. You never know when a, a little bit of goodness will be that seed that grows in somebody's mm-hmm. life when in a time when they needed it. Are you the, the incoming president? I, I was inducted yesterday at noon. Oh, he's a newbie. Yes. So I am. Congratulations. I'm, this is day one as the president of the downtown, historic downtown Kiwanis Club of Clarksville. That is fantastic. Yep. But we've been giving books to kids for a long time. I don't know how many books we've given out to third graders. Then that morphed into our reading rodeo program where every third grader in Montgomery County Mm -hmm. gets a high quality paperback book and we fold that into the curriculum. But I will say this in my story, reading has been a huge part of my life. I love to read. I enjoy it very much. And if any of these books, if 5% of these books are these large chapter books, sparks a kid to read a book and finish it and learn the joy of that, then we have done something. Yeah. It, it helps so much if you can give them, because not every kid has the opportunity to get books. That's exactly right. And if you can put a book in the hand of a kid and that book sparks something in them, they, they, they're able to, you know, that book captures their imagination and then they want the next thing and mm-hmm. the next thing. That's right. A good book opens up a lot of rabbit holes into other good books and can foster a lifelong love of learning. If anything, just to make them not be intimidated by a book. Yeah. Yeah. Just to know that this is a great story and that there are other great stories out there like it. And there are other stories about things that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. And once you find that little, that first toehold where they can read something, because I know that's the way it was for me. Do you, do you still go to the schools is is the reading as fundamental? Is that still part of no, it, or that, is it something different? It's it's morphed away from that. Uh, we do a more of a centralized giveaway now. So it's a great idea called the Reading Rodeo, since we do the big rodeo every spring with Kiwanis. Yeah. yeah. You know, we, we take the Reading Rodeo and incorporate that into it. And so we've worked, uh, like Daniel Binkley and yeah. his wife Abby, they, yeah. they were instrumental in the start of this and working with the school system to kind of fold this book that we'd selected into the curriculum. Yeah. And so I think the first one was about a gorilla named Ivan, and I forget the name of it. I, uh, yeah. You but, know the one I'm yeah, talking I, about? Yeah, I, I do. And so, you know, I know a lot of the schools were incorporating, mm-hmm. you know, jungle ecology and yeah. gorillas and apes and all that, and they built the, that book around it. So, yeah. you know, that's fantastic, and that's a neat way to do it. Uh, of course, COVID throws wrenches in everything, but we're still right. giving these books out to kids, and that's what's important. What else do you want to do as president now? You get to help shape 
what oh. the historic downtown Kiwanis looks like. <laughs> what, what, the, what? Because every time yeah. someone takes over something, they sure. gotta say like, okay, I'm putting this. I'm putting my stamp on this. No, of course. Uh, we've got a lot of fun programs. I think what would be the best thing for us is to keep going what we've got and just to re-engage some of our members. We have such a great list of of members and all of them have gone through this leadership rotation and Mm. put so much time in through the 80s the 90s the 2000s keeping all these things going and you i know they're tired i know they've everybody has different seasons and phases of their lives but i'd love to see some of those guys just come back for a little bit more often Mm. just maybe not even to help just to be there and cut up with us and uh the more laughing we do the work seems lighter yeah that's the truth yeah. in everything, isn't it? Everything. You no. know, I think it's time now for some breaking news. Oh, we, we got breaking we, news, yeah, Charlie? We, we've <laughs> got the Industrial Development Board guy here, and he can tell us all the secrets. Wait a minute. That are happening in Clarkson, Montgomery County. Oh, this all is going to be them. great. Tell us something. I mean, just tell us something juicy. Oh, man. I, I got so <laughs> many jokes I don't have, but I'm not going to do you it. You have to think, though, like being a part of the Industrial Development Board, being the vice chair. Uh, there that's a great gig to have now there was a time when no one wanted to be here and so really being on the industrial development yeah. board meant you just got to go into a room put your feet up and take a nap because well, there wasn't much going on now you've got a lot going on i think we're reaping fruit from a, a two decade old tree yeah. i would wager i, I think that's probably that. about the best way to, yeah. to, to say it having yeah. Yeah, we're blessed here, and so many people are finding out about it, but to have interstate access, rail access, river access, uh, ample, you know, four distinct seasons, uh, a pipeline of people coming out of Fort Campbell who know how to show up to work on time, don't mind working, mm-hmm. have, you know, benefits through their, their previous employer, through their service uh, with the Army. You know, that's a, a fantastic recruitment tool. And I think the IDB, uh, especially before my tenure, has done a tremendous job of utilizing the assets we have with the land to promote that, like the recent news that's come out about restaurants and uh, healthcare facilities and potential other impacting or, or welfare impacting uses of property that's yeah. not suitable for industrial development. To have that out there just to make life easier for our partners. The child care facility, that is revolutionary about what's happening out there. And I think that model is being reproduced in lots of other places. And that came out of this Montgomery County IDB. They, you know, there was a lot of planning years ago to to acquire all of that property, mm-hmm. and and it's it's really paying off. And I and I know there's, you know, some talks about how to how to continue that growth, and it, it it'd be awesome if our government would do that with roads and stuff. You would think, <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that'd be that'd be nice, wouldn't it? If they kind of coordinate those things. But you know, we had people years ago that that went out there and spent a lot of money to acquire property to set us up for the future. That's exactly right. There was a lot of foresight there that um, you really have to be able to stand by your guns to justify doing, especially to purchase it for the price you have to purchase it to acquire it. Yeah. I know a lot of people believe that we don't say no to anybody Mm -hmm. that wants to come here. Um, We do, in fact, say no. Quite often. You don't have to give us a name. 
Sure. You can just describe them namelessly. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell me, tell me someone. We got to give us something juicy here. It's easier to something ask the juicy. questions. Yeah. You know yeah who, big time. Who have you said, had to say no to? Fortunately, recently? we have very qualified staff that are paid to, to do these things. You but, don't have to say no. You don't have to pick up the phone and go, hey, it's up. It's Will. Hey, so that thing we were talking about, we're just going to go ahead and say no. Yeah. I, I thankfully do not have to do that. <laughs> and in all honesty, I never know the name. Oh, really? Of oh, an yeah. entity. Everything's got a code name to it. Yeah. I okay. Mean, so it, it's Project uh, Barbarossa or Project whatever it is, and yeah. you, we can kind of try and guess based off how they how they code it, but you you don't ever know. Yeah. So that's how they we try and keep loose lips from sinking ships. Oh. I mean, okay. like the main people don't even know who it is until yep. it's. You don't even know who you're saying time. no to. That's exactly right, and I am proud of them because you know we don't need any more just basic entry-level employment jobs. Yeah. You know, we need advanced manufacturing, and I think that there is a, a very targeted focus yeah. towards that right now to utilize these resources. Yeah, you, might not, you might not know the name of the company, yep. but you know kind of what they do or what they're going to offer and, the community. And our staff is doing a tremendous job of trying to recruit exactly what we need to come here. Mm-hmm. And when you start looking at the talent pool that we have here and the skill sets that we have yeah. here in Montgomery County, it makes a lot of sense for what we're actively trying to do right now. Of the ones that have been announced in the past that are not top secret, what mm-hmm. is one that you've been most proud of being a part of working on that and bringing that to Clarksville? Honestly, uh, you know, the child care facility you know, from a size and scale, it's low on the list, but it's tremendous for the impact that it's going to have for the families mm-hmm. uh, to have your child that close to where you are in the industrial park, to have a subsidized rate for our industrial partner employees, to have their kids there, to have that much space for those kids to be out, to be able to go outside and play while their parents are working close by. Uh, that, that to me is a big win. And honestly, that comes from, I think, from having the diversity we have on the yeah. board because some of the ladies were the ones responsible for doing that. Yeah. Shay Hopkins and, and some of her and her staff yeah. at the time, they were instrumental in coming up with this plan. So what would you like to see in Clarksville that we don't have now that you're, <laughs> you know? that was going to be my big, Oh, was that my big ending? Like, okay, you've got a magic wand. What you get? That's a, uh, that's a much better way to answer that, to ask that question. But you're focused. You're laser focused in your conversation. And I was over here enjoying it. Yeah. Charlie's just like, okay, so hang on. I'll answer it like, I'll ask it like Charlie did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, you have a magic wand. <laughs> you can wave that wand and make anything come to Clarksville. What's it going to be? When I wave my wand, okay, I'm going to wave it. Um, I'm going to wave it. I'm going to wave my wand. No, I think. I you th- were doing so good. Yep. And you fell yeah. into the trap. Uh, I did. I, I had to. I it was your, at your expense. I'm I sorry. I your apology. Yeah. Keep, yeah. Continue. I think uh, a, a big win for us would be high-level <clears throat> defense manufacturing. Okay. And with that, if we could land what we really need to start securing here is the white collar side of it, the office jobs, the corporate jobs, in addition to the manufacturing, distribution, warehousing, all that comes with it. Uh, If we can land a good corporate headquarters that comes along with something like that, I think that would be a tremendous, tremendous boon to the community. Yeah, I agree with that. What is the one thing you're asked over and over and over again that you're tired of having to tell people I can't tell you? Uh, parking. <laughs> When's the parking garage going to start? No, here's the thing. Can that we be was honest? the last question. No. Can we be honest about parking for a second? Let's yeah. all just be honest. Let's be honest. Because I see it all the time. 
And people are like, oh, I'd love to go to a show at FNM Bank Arena, but there's no place to park. Yep. I've gone to numerous events downtown. I've gone downtown when there was three or four things going on, including a concert at the FNM Bank Arena. I had no problem parking. There's a parking structure across from the courthouse that always has spaces in it. That's I don't right. know if it's camouflaged and people can't see it. It's like the, <laughs> the best kept secret in town. Well, my yeah. favorite is always when you see those same people in Nashville walking nine blocks to something. <laughs> and it's not near as flat as our downtown. Yeah, that's right. So that, that's the, the and they'll park, you know. I, I think I think conceptually the, the parking you know, people will be able to see the structures yeah. here pretty yep. soon. But you're right. There's there's street parking. There's surface parking. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot out there. If people just, I say this, I will be remiss and in trouble at home if I don't talk about this. My wife pulled out her old parking ticket list from where she settled them all out. She had a business downtown for <laughs> over a decade. <laughs> And it stretched from about here to the window. So for, for anybody that may actually be listening to this, it's every bit of six feet. And uh, yeah, but she, that was her. That was her. If she could air grievances about having a business downtown, it was that her people, her customers, could not get to her yeah. store. Yeah. yeah, that was a big problem and, for a while. And so I think that was that was a big reason why she didn't want to keep it open much longer. But the so, thing about the opportunities, right. I mean, we I, I, I joke about the parking downtown, but. Imagine the opportunities it does open up for businesses to go downtown and to open up downtown when there is just parking everywhere. It's definitely going to change things. Mm-hmm. But And change comes regardless. Uh, Shay Hopkins, this is the second time I've mentioned her name, she used a, an acronym in IDB meetings. It was cave people, citizens against virtually everything. And I get it. There's days when I'm a cave person. I'm, I, I, I truly understand it. But there are also days when you realize you have to, you have to move or you get left behind. Yeah. And we don't have to look very far outside of Montgomery County borders to see that. I think yeah. you were pointing north, weren't you? Uh, uh, no, he's just smiling. He's just, I'm just smiling. I'm just naturally looking north. That's a, that's a, I'm facing that way now. Man, I'm so glad you came today. This well, has been fun. I appreciate the invite. Oh, absolutely. That's what happens when you're out socially and just kind of hanging out. Yeah, well, that's the truth of it. I have a banker friend in Mississippi who told me one time, he said, the more you go out and hang out with people and have drinks with people, the more business you get. And I thought that was very basic and rudimentary at the time. And obviously, we don't want to condone excessive going out and, and drinking. Right. But there's merit to it. You just you be around people. You talk to people. Next thing you know. Ice water is good for you. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure it drives your wife crazy. Because I'm sure there's some times when she's <clears> like, listen, I just want to go out and have a nice dinner. And everywhere you go, it's like, hey, how's it going, Will? Hey, Will, good how's to see you? you. Will, what's working on this? Yeah. Hey, Will, let's talk about parking. And she just wants to have a nice dinner with... With her husband. Well, that's right. She's a she's a bit of an introvert, so it's always a tax for her when I make her do social events. But she's a good sport about it. I can't so. wait to ask her about parking next time I see you. <laughs> ask her about her tickets. <laughs> I will. I will. Well, thanks for being here. We appreciate Guys, it. Guys, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate what y'all do. Appreciate all the, the local media that comes out of this building and out of this office. It's it's fantastic for us. And y'all know better than anybody how many people look at it and count on it. So yep. we really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Will. Thanks, Will. Appreciate it, guys. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.